Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 415. I'm Andrew. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. How's everybody doing this week? Great. Good. Yay. We have a lot to talk about today. Oh, yeah. We do. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I I was like, wait, how long has it been? I feel like we've aged 10 years since the last (laughs) recording. Because so much fucking shit has happened. Yeah. Um, I just need to mention right here at the top of the show, though, I come out of my bedroom and I look outside and there's snow on the ground. It's mid-April. What the fuck, Chicago? Yeah, that sucks. Well, that blows ass. You know, you could have moved to the New York of the South. I know. But you didn't make that choice. I know. And I meant to bring this up last week, but we were tight on time. I I said to Laura and Elisa when I was in Atlanta, I texted them. I was like, I kind of wish I moved to Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) It's really nice down there. And and after being through a Chicago winter, it's just warm. And uh, this will stick with me forever. Laura described Atlanta as a city in the forest. Because there's trees everywhere. It's just, it's lush and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, uh... I don't regret moving to Chicago, but I do like the weather down there. But you kind of do. No, I really don't. I'm very happy with my place. (laughs) My boyfriend assures me this is not normal for April here. So fingers crossed it it gets better in the next week or two and stays that way. But Laura, you're about to travel somewhere? Yeah. So uh, this weekend, uh, Mark and I are going on a punk rock cruise to the Bahamas. I'm so excited. I went last year and it was a ton of fun. Uh, And I I told myself last year, I was like, if me and Mark are still together this time next year, I'm going to make him go with me. And we are. So he is. (laughs) (laughs) Is he excited? Nervous? So he is excited. Um, What I will say about him is he is not a big fan of open bodies of water. So being on a cruise should be interesting, but I have assured him that cruise ships are a lot like giant floating hotels. And when you're on them, you really don't realize that you're in the middle of the ocean. Mm -hmm. Uh, I made the mistake of telling him, though, that our ship, like our cruise is going right through the Bermuda Triangle. And he just looked at me like, the fuck has this bitch gotten me into? So (laughs) we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be fun. Are you going to like get all emo looking and shit? What? No. Punk Why? rock. Isn't that emo? No, punk rock is not emo. Eh, kind of is. Come on. Just a little. A little no, bit. No. Where Where did you ever hear that punk rock was emo? Well, I don't know. Google Green Day and see what you find in the search results. I mean, they, well, uh, the thing about Green Day is they've taken a shift. Like if you go back to Green Day's core material... 
they did not look like that. Okay. So. Are you going to spike your hair? No, I have fucking blue and green hair. I think I'm already set. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll be fun. We we'll look forward to maybe you'll have some crazy stories to share from the punk oh, rock cruise. There will be for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to start the show off with the number segment. Um, actually, a week or two ago, I had mentioned how a new doctor I'd seen was freaking out over the amount of drinks I would have just on the weekends, and we all thought that was absurd. Um, But here's some evidence to back up what she's saying, and I'm going to put it to you two in quiz form. According to new research by the Lancet Medical Journal, more than this number of drinks of wine a week lowers life expectancy. Mm, More than three. Okay. Uh, Laura was spot on. The number is five. Uh, That's when you are pushing it. (laughs) Worth it. (laughs) Because if you're having one a day and you're having an extra one per week, then it's 30 minutes a week. I see. Uh, the paper estimates a 40-year-old drinking four units a day above the guidelines has roughly two years lower life expectancy, which is around a 20th of their remaining life. This works out at about an hour per day. Um, so they say drinking is just as bad as smoking. So here's my thing. I can certainly see how this makes sense if you consistently drink more than five glasses of wine every week. But if you have a bad week and you have five or six glasses over the course of that one week, and then you like don't drink again for another couple of weeks, and then it's very casual after that, I don't think you're going to die. I Laura's, mean, super soon. <laughs> Laura's doing some quick calculations in her head over the yeah. past few months. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I'm like, how much have I drank? Well, yeah, and what week is not a bad week? Like, what makes a week a I'm good week? I'm very worried about you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 84 years since I've had a good week. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So this cruise I'm going on, it's open bar. So oh, I am probably decreasing my life expectancy by at least six months this weekend. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I was saying to you two and hashing it out, and I've kind of alluded to this in previous episodes recently, I've been on the go and family visiting and friends visiting and whatnot the past few weeks. I've been drinking like every day and not hard drinking, but like a drink. Tonight's the first night in a while where I'm not, and I'm very excited about it because I, cause I, I do believe in studies like this, that this amount of drinking absolutely adds up. I do not find it healthy at all to even have one drink every single day of your life. I think you need some days to be completely sober. Anyway, um, we do have some news to talk about. We have some tech news. We're going to get back to Surprise Bitch. We've got some emails, some confessionals. There's so much to talk about today. But I decided to wedge in a last-minute game. I was watching the news right before we started recording, and I had this idea. So um, we're not going to talk too much about this, but the former FBI director, James Comey, he is publishing a new book this week called A Higher Loyalty. And, of course, he's on a, public, he's on a publicity tour about it. And, of course, it, it, the book takes huge shits on Trump. It goes into um, uh, Comey's involvement uh, with Trump while he was serving as FBI director. And so he did this big interview on ABC News, and it inspired a 
game idea. Um, so in this interview, James James Comey reveals that in January 2017, Trump said he might want the P-tape investigated because his wife, Melania, thought there was at least a 1% chance that the tape could be true. Let's listen to the tape. He may want me to investigate it to prove that it didn't happen. And then he says uh, something that distracted me because he said, you know, if there's even a 1% chance my wife thinks that's true, that's terrible. And I... And I remember thinking, how could your wife think there's a 1% chance you were with prostitutes peeing on each other in Moscow? I'm a flawed human being, but there's literally zero chance that my wife would think that was true. So what kind of marriage to what kind of man does your wife think there's only a 99% chance you didn't do that? (laughs) (laughs) So Trump, of course, has been very mad at this book and this interview. He's been lashing out against Comey. But I thought it'd be fun if we all texted our respective boyfriends right now and asked them, do you think there's any chance, even 1%, there's a Trump-style Andrew Laurie Elisa P-tape on someone's phone? I'm sending this to mine. I just sent it to Mark and he's replying. I just sent mine to Brian. He's typing way too long. (laughs) Typing way too long. (laughs) Uh, Okay. He just replied and said, What? (laughs) I I texted Brian, Do you think there's any chance, even a 1% chance, that there's a P tape of me out there? He just responded, Let me go look through my phone. So there's a chance you two may have drunkenly done that. N- no. no, I don't know why he's responding this way. No, I of I not. had a feeling he was gonna be sassing me on this. Mm. Mark just said, "You fucking what, mate?" And <laughs> like, is there a chance I have a pee tape out there? Okay, Brian just responded again and said, "Just poops, no pee." uh mine just responded you wouldn't let anyone pee on you exclamation exclamation that's true like trump i'm a germaphobe Mm, that's not true (laughs) mark just said i mean you do a lot of weird stuff in your sleep dot 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 (laughs) i just replied to mine hmm okay I'm just going to let him believe that this was a sincere question. (laughs) I'm never going to explain it. (sighs) All right. What else is going on? Oh, so I think we have a bit of an announcement here. Um, About eight or nine months ago, Matt and I both started conspiring, both of us, to get our shit together and go back to school because both of us had just been talking for a really long time about finishing the paths that we had started down and getting the degrees in the education that we had always planned to, but just hadn't ever really done. So then a few months ago, as you guys know, he decided, you know, fuck it, let's actually pull the proverbial trigger and get it done. For him, that meant starting nursing school. And for me, that means going and getting my PhD. So I'm going to be taking a break from the show while I pursue that. Just getting accepted is a long, arduous process, particularly for what I'm going for. And I've already been trying to juggle that with the show these past like month and a half, two months, and it's been pretty exhausting. So 
Um, it's not helped again by the fact I'm, I want to get my PhD in economics, particularly do my dissertation on environmental economics. I'm sure that surprises absolutely no one. So I have to take a series of really strenuous like econ stats and econometric classes right now as prerequisites. There's like seven classes I have to take just as prerequisites to really qualify for what I want. And I also have to retake the GRE, which is just more classes because you really need stellar scores just to get accepted, number one. And number two, especially if I want to get any kind of funding or TA offers, I have to get really stellar scores. So that's my focus right now. And that's why I'm going to be taking a little leave from the show because I want to give this PhD thing everything that I've got. And that's really a full-time effort. And as excited as I am, I'm nervous about it because it's such a big change. I don't know where I might get accepted or what who's going to give me the best offer yet. So it could, you know, potentially my boyfriend and I have been having talks, you know, what if this involves moving to go to the to the right school? I just don't know yet. Um, but I do want to assure everyone, though, that I do hope to come back. I love this show. I really love this community. So I'm trying to look at this more like a, you know, see you later rather than a goodbye. Yeah, which which we're really glad to hear. Of course, we completely understand you wanting to pr- pursue this. And uh, I'm glad it is a see you later. Um, I also want to ensure everyone that Laura and I aren't going to be next. <laughs> no. First, Matt, now you. Who's going to be picked off next week? Find out. Uh, but really, why is everybody deciding to go off and get smart at the same time? I, I, I don't. I have I no fucking idea. I don't appreciate that. I know, I know. And like I said, that's like I said, it's not a coincidence. Matt and I had sort of formed like a blood pact, like eight or nine <laughs> months ago, and like we just didn't talk about it openly because, to be honest with you, I mean, we talked about it with you guys, of course, but like we didn't talk about it on the show because, to be honest with you, we really didn't have a lot of confidence in ourselves that <laughs> we were going to see this through. Uh, but now. We're we really are trying to. I mean, but we've been like, he helped me research like my application process. Um, we helped each other register for our prerequisites for the GRE for everything. So it's been a really joint effort from the start to kind of hold each other accountable for getting these degrees. And I think you know, I was just tired of hearing him bitch and complain. Yeah, and I, I think I think I think the other way around too. Yeah, yeah. You should have been like Laura and I. Like you, you two want to go back to school. Laura and I were just like, let's go buy property. Yeah, you and you and Matt yeah. should have taken that, that road. Is... But so but we really funny. are quite representative of the two paths available to our generation. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but like you said, we do hope that you will be coming back at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my hope too. You know, I don't. I don't know what this experience is going to entail yet, how it's going to shake out. So it's hard to make any kind of firm commitments, but I will say that's definitely my hope. And though as much as it's my intention to return, I really want to be realistic about this. I think it's probably going to be a long-term hiatus. I don't want to give folks the impression of like, oh, she'll be back in a few months or something. Because I, unfortunately, I don't think that's the case. I mean, a few months from now, I'm still going to be knee-deep in prereqs. Um, let alone probably not even having taken the GRE yet. So I just want to be realistic that this is a, a long-term thing, but but my idea is not a forever thing. Yeah, no, I mean, we totally get that. I feel, I mean, you and I both went through grad school at the same time. Um, and that in and of itself was 
a pretty horrendous experience time-wise. So getting your PhD is a really big um, undertaking. And I don't think any of us here, listeners included, would expect you to rush through that for our sake. I appreciate that, guys. But, you know, also, like, hurry the fuck up. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, if this, if, you know, fingers crossed that this pays off and this works out and I can come back to you guys, like, armed with, like, really good fucking research and stats on why Nestle sucks so fucking much. <laughs> I, th- this is, it's no joking aside, one of the things that put me over the edge for going for this was, like, I fucking hate this company. I really gotta have, I really have to get back to school to see, like, what can we do about this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you'll still be with us next week? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm around for another week or so. Um, I'll definitely be on next week. Uh, in May, actually, I am taking... Well, the reason I'm not around next month is because I'm actually taking a trip to Switzerland. Uh, this is completely unrelated. It's just something that's been planned for months now. It's just me, my boyfriend, and my brother... We're actually, the three of us are going to Switzerland as sort of a graduation present for my brother. He just graduated from undergrad um, a few months ago. And my gift to him was like a joint trip abroad because he's never been abroad before in his life. So the three of us are going to Switzerland. I'm really pumped about it. Um, And I wanted to say, if anyone has any tips about Switzerland, let me know, like places to stay, sites to see. Anything like that, email us, millennialshow at gmail.com, because I'm trying to put this together kind of last minute. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, And in terms of where the show goes from here, um, Laura and I won't be leaving. uh, But our friend Pam, who was actually on a couple weeks ago, we're pleased to announce that she's going to become a regular co-host for as long as Elisa is gone. (laughs) Yeah. But Pam's great. I'm actually really excited she's coming on. She's super smart. She's insightful. She's always articulate. Uh, and yeah. even if I weren't even if I weren't taking a, a break or anything, I would still support her being a permanent fixture. Yeah. And the thing about millennials, it's always been a group of friends. We know why people like this show, because if it's it's a group of friends sitting around and talking about our hashtag is silent millennial issues. Yeah. And uh, Pam has been a good friend of the show for a long time. We've been friends with her for eight, nine, ten, maybe years now. Yeah. And in addition to Pam, we're going to have other people sitting in as well. Uh, Pam will will be taking over that third chair, uh, but then we'll be putting people in the fourth chair in rotation, uh, like Laura's boyfriend, like my boyfriend, like other friends. So that's and their boyfriends. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we figured out the secret to podcasting. It's boyfriends. <laughs> no, buddy, Lisa. You know we're not. We're not. We're happy for you, and we're also not. Does that make sense? Like it does. I kind <laughs> of feel that way about it myself. <laughs> you got it. Um. Yeah, but we, we are very excited for you. Um. Laura and I are still fully invested in this show and bringing you the best show possible. I know some people will be like, oh my gosh, two people leaving so quick behind one another. But um, in the case of Elisa, she has every hope of coming back. 
And um, until then, we're going to have a lot of fun with Pam and our other friends. Yep. Yep. We're not worried. So Mm-mm. you shouldn't be worried. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready to move on with the show? Yeah, I'm just... Wiping away my tears and then I'll be I know. Ready. Well, before we, we move on, if you want something to fill the Elisa void in your life, um, I wanted to plug our newest sponsor for Millennial, Dagny Dover. Is your bag a never-ending black hole? Where are my keys? My phone? Elisa's butt plug. Mm. Let me tell you about Dagny Dover. Mm-hmm. Dagny Dover is designing the next generation of bags right at the intersection of fashion and function. They're committed to keeping you organized while still looking good by giving everything in your bag a place. And these bags do look great. I love my Dakota backpack in the color Storm. I carry my laptop and other electronics around with me a lot, and it's perfect for people on the go. What I love about it is that it has dedicated spots for everything, including my laptop, wallet, phone, and sneakers. My boyfriend can attest that my bags are often transformed into chasms of darkness, but the Dakota backpack makes it so I don't have to go discreetly spelunking for tampons while I'm on the go. I'm also clumsy as fuck, so the quick-drying lightweight neoprene fabric comes in handy for me and is the ultimate performance fabric. Mark actually tried to hijack this from me, so he's proof that this is the perfect his and hers bag and a beautiful functional gift for when you want to passive-aggressively tell Boo to stop being a damn slob. (laughs) I love to hear that this is balancing fashion and function, because too often you find these darn bags that just aren't functional. They look great, and then you get to using them, and you're like, uh, this actually isn't helping me. Right, and stuff ends up rolling around in the bottom of your bag. Yeah, or things aren't getting organized properly. Yeah, it's a complete disaster. Um, but not Dagny Dover. The stuff is great. Uh, I also love the Landon Carry All, which is made from the same fabric as the Dakota backpack. It's basically the best overnight bag ever because it has pockets and compartments to keep everything organized. Another thing I love is these bags hug your body perfectly and distribute the weight of their contents really well, so I can definitely see myself using this for long weekend trips. So while I may still figuratively lose my shit from time to time, I'll no longer (laughs) literally lose my shit. Dagny Dover is offering our listeners 20% off your purchase when you go to dagnydover.com slash M-I-L-L and enter code M-I-L-L. Don't put off getting organized. My bag has changed my life. Check them out at dagnydover.com slash M-I-L-L. That's D-A-G-N-E dover.com slash M-I-L-L. And use my code M-I-L-L to get 20% off your order. You'll be happy you did. Katie in the chat says, oh, my God, Laura, why? I'm already looking at the bag. So thanks for that. They're so pretty. Yeah, they are pretty. Yeah, I remember you sent me some pictures, Laura. Um, That shit was nice. Yeah. Uh, Probably the nicest. No, not even probably. The nicest bag (laughs) I've ever owned. (laughs) I have an update on this P-tape game. Um, So, you know, so my... My boyfriend said, you wouldn't let anyone pee on you. And then I said, hmm, okay. And then he said, do you want to get peed on? And I said, jokingly, would you be alarmed about that? And then he said, no, I'd do it if you wanted. 
And then I freaked out while Elisa was making her announcement. I oh, was, my God. <laughs> I said, I said, I hope you're kidding, Pat. And he said, LOL, if you really wanted it, I would pee on you. I personally don't want to get peed on, LOL. <laughs> oh, my God. Do not shame him for that, Andrew. I'm not shaming him. I asked him permission if I could bring this up on, on the show. No, I, I know. That's beautiful that he would pee on me. Thank you. Because he knew I wanted it. But I don't want it. Please I, don't. No, I, I believe you and everything. I'm just saying, I think it is beautiful that he would pee on you because it's clearly something that he's not interested in, but he would do it like for you to satisfy right. you. And it's such like a taboo, disgusting thing <laughs> <laughs> that if he would do it, that's that's love. Right. He would do it for me. And that's that says a lot. He does draw a line, though. He says, I draw the line at peeing in your mouth, which is fair. Yeah, that is fair. I I don't want to be peed on. But hey, some people are into that. I think it. I brought it up once. Some um, one of my friends actually uh, wanted his girlfriend to pee on him. And <laughs> he was asking me for advice about how to ask her. I was like, I don't know how you ask somebody that. Uh, it was Mark. <laughs> I would let Mark pee on me if I got stung by a jellyfish. Is that the remedy? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Urine apparently helps with the sting. It's a good excuse. <laughs> good excuse. <laughs> Pat, please pee on me. I just got stung by jellyfish. But there's no jellyfish in the lake. Just do it. Um, I have some tech news to talk about now. I was very scared by this story, and uh, I think we all should be. Um, There is a device called GrayKey that is allowing people to break into password-protected iPhones, and it's gaining steam in the law enforcement community. Uh, This is a small, portable gray box that's equipped with two, two lightning cables, an iPhone can be plugged into one of the cables to install proprietary software that's able to guess the passcode for an iPhone in either a few hours or a few days, depending on the strength of the passcode. More on that in a second. And then once the gray key software has unlocked an iPhone, it can be plugged back into the gray key box to download all of the data on the iPhone. Um, now, this is starting to be used, like I said, by... Law enforcement, Maryland State Police, the Indiana State Police, and the Miami-Dade County Police have purchased or are soon purchasing gray key technology, while others like the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department have looked into boxes and received quotes from Gray Shift. How much does this cost? They charge $15,000 for a box that requires internet connectivity, uh, and it's geofenced to a specific location. So in other words, when you buy it, they say, okay, you're going to be able to use it, but it knows where it is, and it can only be used at your police station. And for that price, you get 300 unlocks. Or for $30,000, you can get a box that requires no connection, can be used anywhere, and can unlock an unlimited number of devices. So this is scary because law enforcement now have a way to break into your phone if you refuse to unlock it for them, if you... If they're investigating you and they think they have a right to see your information on the phone, they can access your phone. And 
this goes against Apple and Android's policies that they are not going to open up back doors for law enforcement to use. Yeah. So what is what are their responses to this? Have they said anything? Who's responding? Like Apple? Like Apple and yeah. Um, they have been... I haven't seen any comments from Apple specifically, but you remember that San Bernardino shooting where this came up? The police wanted to break into the phone. Back then, Apple was very against this. They refused to open the phone up. Now, I'm just curious to know if Apple might have any plans in the works to issue some kind of patch to prevent this from happening. Yeah. Um, I don't see any word on that. You would think they would be able to patch it up. Um, I guess this, this company's whole business, though, is getting around those patches, getting around the security. Uh, some data came out about how quickly this device can crack into your phone. A four-digit passcode can be cracked in 13 minutes at worst. A six-digit passcode can be broken into in 22 hours at worst. Eight-digit password, that's when it gets really hard. 92.5 days at worst. And a 10-digit passcode, 9,259 days at worst. So um, the lesson here is if you want your passcode if you want your phone to be as secure as possible you need to make the longest passcode as possible i know after that san bernardino shooting and when the police were trying to break in not like i'm afraid i'm ever going to do something bad but just just for the peace of mind just knowing that my phone is secure i switched from a four digit passcode to an eight digit passcode mm-hmm. or sorry six digit passcode because the difference between four and six digits alone is a lot secure. Yes. Yeah, I did the same thing. And I think you don't have to be, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that you do anything bad if you're worried about this kind of security issue. Because unfortunately, this kind of technology does open a back door into your phones. So whereas this might initially be used totally above the board and for completely legitimate reasons, What's to stop some third-party company creating their own shitty knockoff version a few years from now that you can buy on Amazon and then do this to any phone that you find? Right. Right. And that's why Apple has refused to create a backdoor for police. Because once they create their own officially sanctioned backdoor, people can hack into that. They're just weakening their own phone security by creating that backdoor. Yeah. I mean, I just want to ask you guys, do we think that there is ever a time where it is warranted for law enforcement to have some kind of backdoor into somebody's phone? I would like to see it at least go to a judge first. Yeah, exactly. I think it's critical that due process be respected here. I think that you'd have to have, you know, you'd have to have like do cause and a warrant exactly and i you know if that takes you you know days weeks a month whatever then so be it that's the price for having you know a viable and coherent justice system i think that if if you go through the the right process you know then i'm open I'm, i'm open to that yeah yeah i mean i think about it in terms of 
how you have to get a warrant to enter anybody else's space. Like you have right. to get a warrant to enter somebody's home. Exactly. Why is a yeah. phone any different? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be. And in a lot of cases, a phone will have more personal information and data than anything in my fucking apartment. Like, yeah. my apartment has like board games and a Triwizard Cup. My phone has like, <laughs> you know, credit card information and everything. And your yeah. P tape. And my P tape. Christ. And the poop <laughs> tape. <laughs> By the way, uh, the FBI paid at least $1.3 million to hack into that iPhone that Apple was refusing to unlock. So it cost them a lot of money, but these days, evidently, you can just buy this box for $30,000 and it'll get into the phone for you. Wow. So pretty scary. It's it's really scary. I hope Apple figures this out. I mean, if this snowballed into a bigger uh, public reaction, I think they would maybe work a little faster to figure out how to get around this. But it's alarming that somebody can just pop a lightning cable into your phone and start taking your data. On to some other news now. I didn't know this was coming, and then it just sort of happened. This is great news for Americans. Beginning this past um, Friday, April 13th, American Express, Discover Card, and MasterCard no longer required signatures on credit card purchases. So, like, if you're at Target, if you're at the food store, you're at Barnes & Noble... You no longer have to sign when making a a merchandise purchase on a credit card. This doesn't change uh, restaurant purchases, unfortunately. And uh, Visa is going to be in on this too, but not yet. Um, Apparently later in the month. Have any of you noticed this yet since Friday? No. No. I'm pretty excited about it. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Me too. I actually went out like Saturday and made a purchase using my credit cards just to see if they were going to ask me to sign. And they did. Oh. It was disappointing. But I think it was it's a visa? great. Was it a visa? Um, Actually, was it? That's a good question. I think it was. Because, yeah, uh, yeah I was in Barnes & Noble over the weekend, and they made me sign. And I was like, wait, what? And then I remembered visas still coming yeah, later Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're but... probably right. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay, though. I mean... From the articles I've been reading, um, as millennials, we just we all kind of grew up with this, so we didn't realize it. But signing for things is just a it was a security measure put in place to um, make sure it was really you using the card because you're the retailers. As sometimes you'll see, it'll say on their screens, they're supposed to check the signature on the back of the card with the signature you just made, right? And they never fucking do that anymore. No, no. I, I, I th- that said, I'm still paranoid about it because I'm just waiting for that time that they're actually going to do it. And I feel like in England a few years ago they would actually, I think even still today they want to look at the signature. But that's because you're from abroad. Um, yeah, yeah. The thing is, I felt like, and this has been a long time that I felt this way. Um, you know, when you're signing on the electronic readers, I never actually sign my name. I write stupid shit because you can. You can literally <laughs> sign it Osama and it'll go through. I drew a dick one time. No. Oh, I did. my God. Yeah. And it goes through because nobody looks at that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my I, God. Guys, I don't know if you remember this, actually, but one time we were 
out at like an olive garden or something during like one of the the tours that we did and a friend of ours was with us and and we saw when he signed for the bill at the olive garden he signed it like suck my dick (laughs) okay because you couldn't tell the point being is that you really like no one notices you can't tell and nobody checks so it it's it's a waste of paper number one and yeah. I kind of rather not having a piece of free floating paper with like the last four digits of my credit card floating around anyway. So ironically, I kind of feel more secure without having that. And a lot of countries I know have already gotten on this bandwagon. Like years ago, they've already stopped requiring signatures. And I think they're doing just fine. So yeah. Well, actually, one of our listeners and Patreon supporter, Stephanie, she saw our planning doc earlier this week on Patreon, mm-hmm. and she said, um, in Canada, we've literally had chip cards with a pin and no signature for 10 years in stores and restaurants. We had the tip on the credit card machine. It may be interesting to discuss why America hasn't adopted this yet. Wow. And yeah, in England, they've been using the chip and pin system for about the same amount of time. Why hasn't America adopted it? Because we're so slow with every fucking thing. I we are so behind in in the stupidest ways, like infrastructure. <laughs> That's <laughs> stupidest and ways. Pin. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, little things like our financial services industry and you right. know infrastructure. Yeah. Well, and then the chip and pin rollout here was so bad. Do you guys remember? It was about a year ago, I think, they started making everybody use chip and pin. And it was slow as fuck. And I had a little bit of experience with it being over in England, and it was always so fast. I feel like it's gotten faster now, but originally, about a year ago, it was slow, and it was holding up retailers, I think. they It was it was a way to move people over to Apple Pay and, and those, those touchless uh, systems, those contact systems, contactless, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. Because those were a lot faster than chip and pin, and I think still kind of are. I feel like half the time when I try to use a machine that has a chip reader, the cashier tells me, oh, no, just swipe it. The chip reader's not working. I know. That's another thing they've botched. It's been a really weird rollout here, but at least it's happening now. Moving on, there is a lot to unpack with what's been happening lately in the Michael Cohen Russia investigation space. I'm honestly not even sure where to start with you guys, but I think we should start with the fact that just like the day after we recorded the last episode, the FBI launched a surprise morning raid on Michael Cohen's office. Michael Cohen, of course, being President Trump's personal lawyer. They did this allegedly in response to the Stormy Daniels scandal. Um, You know, it's all very kind of like mysterious and there's not a lot out there that's official, but it's pretty well understood that there's a concern that perhaps the Stormy Daniels scandal is bigger than just the porn star and the affair, but also has campaign finance law, um, uh, an impact on campaign finance law, like someone could have broken the law. Uh, and allies fear that more will come out of this raid on Michael Cohen's office since Cohen handles all of Trump's controversies, not just the Stormy Daniels controversy. So who knows what could have been found? That happened like, what, a week ago now? Yeah. Um, so fucking much has happened since then. <laughs> it's, I, I, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, one of the things that came out of that raid uh, was 
a series of anonymous sources reported to McClatchy, is a, 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 news, a news outlet, anonymous sources reported to McClatchy that the investigation uncovered that Michael Cohen had recently visited Prague in 2016, just before the 2016 election. Why is this a big deal if it's true? There's a big if because they're anonymous sources. But if it's true, this is a huge fucking deal because you remember that infamous Steele dossier that alleged there was collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia? So one of the famous things in that Steele dossier that Trump has said is complete bullshit, one of the big points there uh, is that Michael Cohen went to Prague to meet with Russians in 2016. Of course, both Trump and Michael Cohen have adamantly denied that any such trip even took place. And Michael Cohen famously tweeted out a picture of his passport and said, I've never even been to Prague in my life. Hashtag fake news. Uh, Now it appears sources are saying that he did go to Prague. So if that's true, if these sources end up being accurate, this is, I mean, this this is really huge because not only does it validate the Steele dossier and lend it extreme credibility, it also catches Cohen and Trump in a downright fucking lie, like bold-faced lie. So again, we should we should maybe handle that with a little bit of skepticism until those sources are verified. But that is one of the things that happened right on the heels of the FBI raid on Michael Cohen's office. And I, I, I mean, I just think that in and of itself is significant. Yeah, because his fixer, the guy who's been representing them for years, went over to meet with Russians during the, during the uh, election period. That is huge. Yeah. Um, and related to this, by the way, is that President Trump recently just pardoned Scooter Libby. Now, for those who don't recall, Scooter Libby was an aide to former Vice President Dick Cheney. Do you guys remember the controversy surrounding Valerie Plame, the CIA operative? Yes. Does this strike Mm. Yeah, sound familiar to you? So during the Bush administration, Valerie Plame was a CIA spy, and Scooter Libby outed her publicly... Because it was alleged, allegedly, in retaliation for the fact that Valerie Plame's husband had written a New York Times op-ed criticizing the Bush administration. Uh, And so Scooter Libby was pissed off about this, took it upon himself to retaliate by outing her, um, that or, or facilitating him outing her, whatever. There was a big investigation into Scooter Libby and how this, you know, crime took place. And in the end, Scooter Libby was charged and convicted on, uh, I think it was lying to the FBI. Um, Trump just pardoned him. And folks are making a good point in, in the media, I think. I've been reading a lot about this. And folks are saying the reason that Trump pardoned him, and particularly the reason Trump pardoned him now, could very well be to send a signal to his allies saying, look, I pardon liars. If the worst thing you do is lie to the FBI on your president's behalf, um, or for whatever the reason, really, 
I will pardon you. It sort of sends that message that he's willing to do that. Uh, Of course, we're not really, who knows what Trump is thinking, but I think that's a really reasonable conclusion to draw. Otherwise, I'm not entirely sure why the timing of this. It just seems very suspicious otherwise. Yeah, it does. I think it just sends a signal. It sends a hint. Hey, I'll let you off the hook too. Right. If you're good to me. And then more should happen today, Andrew. Oh, yeah. But also, let me just add here that when Trump announced that he was pardoning Scooter Libby, he prefaced it by saying, I don't know Scooter Libby, but what the fuck? You don't know this guy? You don't know anything about this guy? But you have heard he's an honorable dude and you're, you know, he's innocent. The fuck? That was such a weird way to do it. Just don't even say that. Just pretend like you know of him. Or that you studied him closely and you decided to give him a pardon. Um, but yeah. yes, so so Cohen is in court because um, all his materials were seized. All of a sudden, he had no warning that it was going to happen. And they don't know, Cohen and Trump don't know what the feds took. So he was in court to um, attempt to be able to look over the stuff that they seized before they get a look at it. Well, a federal judge on Monday said, no, uh, you don't get that opportunity. However, the judge, Kimba M. Wood, signaled that she was considering appointing a special master to assist prosecutors if and when they cull through documents seized in the raid. So she's trying to appease them a little bit, I guess, to help sort through um, the documents so everybody knows what they're looking at. But... This was a big blow because the one reason, one of the reasons the White House is so scared about this is that they don't know what they found in Michael Cohen's office. They, the, they don't know what the feds found. So if anything comes to light, they're going to have no warning about it. And they're going to have to act quickly to respond to whatever bombshells they, the feds may have found. Yeah. And I think they have to know that there's something there because Trump was freaking out about this when it initially happened. Because of course, as Elisa said earlier on, this was a surprise raid. Cohen Mm -hmm. had no idea this was coming. Um, And he was on Twitter complaining about how this was a complete violation of attorney client privilege, which I'll point (laughs) out. If the judge moved to allow this raid to happen as a surprise, it means that he saw he or she saw some shady fucking shit going on and thought that it was warranted. Yeah. Yep. By the way, I love that Stormy Daniels was at the hearing. She had no reason to be there. <laughs> but she attended <laughs> anyway. She has the best publicist. She is always in the headlines. I love it. She will not go away. <laughs> Um, but there was another bombshell today, actually. Um, there was this mysterious third client that Michael Cohen had been representing. And the judge decided that uh, Michael Cohen's lawyer had to reveal in open court who this third person is that Michael Cohen, Trump's fixer, has been representing. So he's been re- representing Trump. He's been re- representing somebody uh, within the RNC who paid over a million dollars um, to silence a Playboy model. And that's another thing we learned in the past week. And the third person, fucking Sean Hannity, Fox News host at 9 p.m. 
So um, Hannity didn't want his name to be out there. <laughs> as he didn't. <laughs> as one of Cohen's clients. Hold on. I want to pull up the quote. This is really funny. So Cohen's lawyer had argued that I don't want to reveal Hannity because it would be, quote, embarrassing to be identified as one of his clients. And then a lawyer for the New York Times, CNN, and others interrupted the proceedings to argue that embarrassment was not a sufficient legal argument to keep a client's name secret. And the judge agreed. (laughs) That's amazing. I would like to say... I think this is the least of Sean Hannity's problems. It's an embarrassment to be Sean Hannity. It's an embarrassment for Fox News, too. He should have been disclosing this while speaking about um, Michael Cohen and Trump on his program. This is a major ethics issue here. You ha- you any, any person with morals has to say, when speaking to an audience, that he is represented by Cohen as well. So the audience knows that you might be influenced in what you're saying. Yeah, and I also think that from a journalistic integrity perspective, if there were any questions before as to whether Sean Hannity was a true and proper journalist, (laughs) those have firmly been put to bed. Because this is such a conflict of interest. He's covering the Cohen story day in and day out, constantly railing against the FBI and the entire investigation and the raids on Cohen's offices, and never once has he ever disclosed that he has any relation or connection to the very story he is covering. And traditionally, you know, journalists are inclined to reveal that. Like, oftentimes, if you're reading the New York Times, for example, you scroll to the bottom, whatever it'll say, it'll say, actually, full disclosure, the author of this article has blah, 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 blah. And they'll tell you because that is mm-hmm. that's sort of standard practice in the journalism community. This would be a great conversation for Pam. She would back that up. But so I just it's it's a very bad look for Hannity. Absolutely. Oh, boy. So that's that's all that's going on uh, there. This show is going to continue in the days ahead. But you wanted to turn this into a bit of a game, huh? Yeah, I thought it would be funny. <laughs> I thought it would be funny. I'm sorry. This actually makes me laugh. I thought it would be funny to sort of have a sort of, I don't know, devil's advocate style game where you guys pretend to be Sarah Huckabee Sanders defending all of this. So you can choose whatever element of it you want. I know it's a shit show. But I want you to defend, like, you know, if you had to defend you know, the the Trump administration's position on the raids, on the investigation, on Cohen. How would you do that? Um, he wants to go first. I'll, t- I'll set a timer for two minutes, so we'll keep it short. I can go first. Okay. Uh, let me pull up the timer. Please do your best Sarah Huckabee Sanders voice. Oh, God. I <laughs> forgot I forgot what she sounds like because I, I don't watch her because she makes me want to hit things. Yeah. But she's it's not even southern. It's like she's got marbles in her mouth. Yes. Well, exactly. Put some marbles in your mouth and speak like a southerner. Put some marbles in my mouth. I've got some dice, like some dice here on my desk. <laughs> some dice. I can I can put those in my mouth. Then spit them out. If it lands on eight, yeah. I'll buy you a I'm drink. I'm trying to talk like this. <laughs> That's upsettingly accurate. <laughs> 
I'll All right, do it. two minutes. Two minutes is on the clock. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> do it. Well, I would just like to say that I think it's completely ridiculous that the FBI can't take the time to uh, follow up on leads involving uh, potential school shootings, like the tragic one in Parkland, Florida. But they can take the time to raid the office of a legal professional representing the president without any kind of notice. What were they looking for? Why couldn't we see the warrant that stated exactly what information they were seeking? The administration has uh, ha- has uh, collaborated with the FBI previously. We have handed over files mm. in previous cases and been completely willing to cooperate with them. So this is a complete violation of attorney-client privilege. And is, as the president said, a complete witch hunt. Sarah, what do you say to the allegations that the president's personal lawyer, Cohen, was indeed in Prague? What would you like me to say? We've seen his passport. Well, we only saw the front of the passport, not inside of it. That's true. Well, oftentimes when one travels, they get the stickers from the airline shown where they've been. Stuck to the back of the passport. Did you see Belgian Airlines on there? I don't think so. Belgian Airlines? (laughs) (laughs) I like how suddenly she's just really terrible at geography on top of everything else. (laughs) All right. You're you're good. You only had 10 seconds left. Oh, man. Sorry, I was spinning out the dice. I was was really enjoying that. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to find something small to stick in my mouth. The smallest thing I have is a little box of staples, but even that's a little too big. Mm. Mark's going to be really upset when I tell him I put his dice in my mouth. (laughs) He'll understand. (laughs) It's for the greater good. Andrew, do you have something? Uh, No. I'm trying to stick a pawn into my mouth, but still too big. That'll work. Go ahead. I'll do, I'll do it anyway. Okay. All right. And go. Well, uh, the the president saw. First of all, this is a complete violation of attorney-client privilege. Uh, the president saw on an episode of the Breaking Bad spinoff, Better Call Saul, <laughs> that if you pay a lawyer even a dollar, you have attorney-client privilege. And he says there was never an episode where the FBI raided Saul's office in the strip mall to get the information that Saul was, that Saul gleamed from his client. So, henceforth, there should be no reason that this is happening to Mr. Cohen and Mr. Trump. Mm. Uh, Furthermore, on Fox and Friends, the president has yet to see somebody argue that this was not a violation of attorney private client privilege. It was a complete violation. But the FBI went through the full process of of making sure that that they had the warrants necessary to to have this raid. I mean, that's due process. Yeah, but you see, on an episode of The West Wing, the president said that he never saw the special counsel go in and try to raid the office of a law. And as for this passport business, uh, 
yes, it is true. We all, all only saw the front of the passport, but we have we we got the uh, passport sent through a very high tech sniff test to try to smell if it has been sent through Prague, mm-hmm. and it has never been sent through Prague in the history of mankind. Uh, Sarah, just a quick question before we sure. wrap. Sarah, what does Prague smell like? Prague smells like uh, piss and shit on a spring New York morning. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm so sorry to any listeners from Prague. <laughs> it's a lovely city, and also I just want to point out, um, I don't, I don't actually think it's in Belgium. Just no, I know that. Okay. <laughs> That was the funniest part, though. <laughs> Belgian <laughs> Airlines. <laughs> oh, God. I love her. I really feel like any of those arguments could have actually come from that podium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Christ. All right. Well, I need a cigarette after that. Um, but instead, I'm going to try and eat healthy. So <laughs> we have a word from another one of our sponsors, HelloFresh. I always look forward to getting a new box from them because it makes me not look like a failure in the kitchen. There are three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family, and each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated, trusted sources. HelloFresh makes me look forward to cooking because I know I don't have to plan ahead for dinner because I'm lazy. The best thing for me is that HelloFresh makes it really easy to avoid settling on takeout for an easy night, which makes it so I can actually pay my student loans every month. Mm. I recently tried the Penne Primavera, the Harissa Sweet Potato Pita Pockets, and the Herb Roasted Vegetables recipes. Everything I received was really fresh and high quality, and the choice of ingredients were really good. My favorite were the sweet potato pita pockets, which legitimately tasted like falafel pita pockets with the harissa seasoning. Yeah, I I love HelloFresh because it really just takes the guesswork out of what you're going to do for dinner. It it saves time. You don't have to think about it anymore. And you're getting exactly what you need to make these great meals. It it really is. It really takes some stress out of your day. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. I've been doing I've been doing HelloFresh with my boyfriend for like you know a, a really long time, and my favorite part about it is how fast the meals tend to be. Like, they don't give you shit that's going to take you an hour and a half to cook. You know, everything's clearly like made. Everything's packaged in a way that you know you they they realize folks don't want to stand over their stove for two hours. So I don't think I, that's my favorite part of it is that not only is everything really convenient. But I can come home and like be eating dinner in 30 minutes. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. The saving grace for me is that all the ingredients come pre-measured in these handy labeled meal kits. So you know which ingredients go with which recipes. Um, and since all the recipes take around 30 minutes, as Elisa mentioned, you won't be stuck in the kitchen all night when you should be reaping the benefits of cooking for bae. And just in case you thought you were safe from Elisa now that she's going on leave... Please know that HelloFresh meals are delivered to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging, and that if you don't recycle those materials, she'll show up and go all Captain Planet on your ass. <laughs> it's like putting the bat signal up in the air. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just Elisa's face. <laughs> <laughs> 
So spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping each week and get that time back to do more of what you love. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter code MILLENNIAL30. That's HelloFresh.com and enter promo code MILLENNIAL30. Your tum will thank you. (laughs) All right, it's time now for Surprise Bitch. We're going to call Angela in Los Angeles. She has been a supporter for a long time, at least on Patreon. I've seen, uh, it looks like she's been one of the, one of our earliest porters. Let's call and say thanks. Hello? Angela. Hello. Surprise, Surprise bitch. It's bitch millennial. Surprise. Uh, hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> Good. How are you? <laughs> Good, how are you? What are you up to tonight? <laughs> I'm at work. Oh, per usual. What kind of work do you do? Uh, I'm an engineer. Oh well, that's cool. We're in, yeah, we're... I'm working on working on the F-18 right now. Wow! Whoa! An F-18? The... Yeah. That's cool. Can you fly that thing? <laughs> I've done a pilot simulator. Oh. I landed it on a ship. So. Oh, nice. What's life like in LA? Are you enjoying it? Um, meh. It's all right. <laughs> did you how long have you been there uh, i grew up here so i grew up in santa Cruz. okay or six flags area if anyone's ever gone there yeah right now i live in the uh harbor city torrent south bay area oh, okay cool what have you made of the news this week regarding uh michael cohen and all that you know i kind of haven't gone on the internet today or yesterday at all so i have i'm very not up to the times at the moment Oh, great okay. choice. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Disconnecting from the internet yeah. is probably one of the best things you can do for yourself. I was kind of just watching Coachella for the most part this weekend from the couch. Oh, so. yeah. Did you uh, stay up late for Beyonce? I did. I did. It was good. It was a good performance. I enjoyed it. I'm not, I don't even like usually listen to her music, but um, it was an amazing show. So. It was amazing. It was like two hours too. I, I had to stop watching. It was it was it was very long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've been to Coachella like three times, I think. So, you know, even being on the couch and being tired, I can only imagine everyone out there. So I know. Yeah, how that is. you've been three times. Wow, is that an exhausting experience? It, it seems like it. Yeah, you definitely kind of need the week to recoup. Usually, mm. you get a lot of the times but it's fun do you do hard drugs while you're there <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> wink wink i see you winking it's a, it's all right you can be honest there <laughs> the government doesn't look the government doesn't look well upon uh any type of <laughs> you're laughing way too hard for that <laughs> to not be true <laughs> i those music festivals, personally, it's just not my kind of thing. Standing around all day and the huge crowds, and like you have yeah. to wait till the very yeah. end of the night. And like in this case, this past weekend, Beyonce went on at eleven p.m. Yeah, it's exhausting. Like you get back, like usually I camp out, so you like crawl back to your tent and kind of just die. Yeah, and yeah. wake up early to shower. So. <laughs> I can't believe that Beyonce is doing that. Well, everybody there. The, Coachella is now two weekends, which has pissed off a lot of people who used to 
or people who used to go to Coachella back in the old days when it was just one weekend. I do agree that doing two weekends of Coachella kind of ruins the magic of it. Like that performance by Beyonce is amazing, but that should have been like a once in a lifetime thing. And yet she's doing it this upcoming weekend too. Yeah, I heard I heard that the costume designers said that she's going to have different outfits for weekend two. So I'm wondering what kind of changes will happen. Yeah, or yeah. if any. Yeah, and like it is, would be interesting. Are Destiny's Child coming back? Is I assume Jay Z will come back, but that's that was a whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of like you know weekend two things. Uh, sometimes they bring out different people and try to change it up a bit. So yeah, you know we can see. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for supporting us for so long, and uh, best of luck out there, out in Los Angeles. Oh, thank you, thank you. We'll we'll scrape by, I'm sure. <laughs> I do. You should learn how to fly one of those planes just in case the big one strikes, and you got to get out of there real quick. <laughs> you know, I, I found out that I think we have a flight simulator somewhere in our one of our many buildings. So I'm gonna, you know, probably track it down and get some practice runs in. So, good we'll idea. See. Good idea. All right. Have a good night, Angela. <laughs> thank you for your support. Right, thank you for calling. Bye. Oh, yep. No problem. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. So uh, we do have one email here. This concerns grad school advice. Heather sent this in on March 30th. She says, I have no idea if you'll even see this in time for the next show, but I'm seeking your advice regarding grad school. I know some of the hosts have their master's degrees and at one point had to make a decision about which program to go to. And maybe some of the other listeners will benefit from the subject as well. My situation is this. I've been offered placement in a program that is considered the very best in my field and they only have one opening per year. So this is a huge deal. The drawback is that they're not offering me a competitive funding package. You see, I've also been offered a position at the school I went to for my undergrad, and they're offering me a lot more money. I would still get an excellent education if I stayed at my current school, and it would be much more financially stable, but it would mean saying no to literally the most coveted position in my field. My question is, which would you pick, money slash financial stability or prestige? Thanks for the advice, Heather. I think it's going to matter... I think the question is, what is your earning potential going to be after you finish this degree? Um, If you are going to earn a fuck ton of money and be able to easily pay back the more expensive degree program, then I feel like that's a no brainer. Um, But if not, uh, you know, I'm somebody who chose a graduate program based on the prestige of it. Um, It was one of the best programs for my field. It was like one of the top 10 in the country. And I went um, for a lot of the name recognition that, that went behind that program. And to be honest with you, I have not found that to have paid itself off. And I'm not sure that it ever will. So Mm. that's just my experience. Um, But, you know, I'm a humanities person, so I was never going to get paid well for what I studied. Um, so it really just depends on the field, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's really good advice, actually. I think the field does matter a lot. Your earning potential does matter a lot. I'm I'm, I'm really of two minds. First of all, congratulations, because that's a big deal. No matter what you choose, that's a big deal, and you should be proud of yourself. I pray to God I find myself with this problem <laughs> a few months from now. So we'll see. But I, I, I think that you should... 
you should consider Laura's advice with the earning potential. I also think that you should ask yourself, how are you going to feel about this decision many years down the road? So try and imagine yourself 10 years from now. Do you feel like you will have more regret for not having taken the opportunity uh, you know, to, to have that top spot in your field? Or do you think you'll have more regret over the lost financial or, or over the fact that you have so many student loans now, for instance, and you have no money. So I, I try to make these sorts of decisions off of like, what am I going to regret most long-term? Will I regret not having had the experience or will I regret not having the money? And that's, there is no right or wrong answer, by the way. I, I think that it's just an, important to put it in those terms because you should, it's very easy to get caught up in the excitement and uh, you know the prestige, of course, of this kind of a decision. But really, you should be thinking, you know, how am I going to feel 10 years from now looking back? And that's usually a good starting point. Yeah. And also, you should be able to reach out to the program and ask if they have any kind of student ambassador who would be willing to speak with you. Um, Most programs do. And at least in my experience, I feel like the students who do that are always very honest about the pros and cons of the program. Additionally, they should be willing to let you come visit and sit in on some classes so you can see if it is the right fit for you before you commit. Good luck, Heather. We have one more sponsor this week. For those of you who wear contacts, ordering new ones just got a lot easier thanks to Simple Contacts. They are the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's vision care for the 21st century. Instead of heading to the doctor every single year to renew your prescription for something you wear every day, take a few minutes out of your day to do it on your own time and terms. You know, there's a law in the U.S. that requires anyone who wears contacts to have a new prescription written every year in order to be able to buy lenses, even if your vision hasn't changed for 15 years and you have perfectly healthy eyes. That is nonsense. This is a very expensive, time-consuming process, and people put it off which can cause eye issues from overwearing old lenses. It's a bad habit that most contact lens wearers are guilty of because they can't go to the doctor in time or can't afford a new prescription. This is where Simple Contacts comes in. Here's how it works. When you need to renew your prescription, take a five-minute vision test from your phone or computer. It's then reviewed by a licensed doctor, and then you'll receive a renewed prescription, and you'll be able to reorder your contacts. All you need is your current contacts, an internet connection, and 10 feet of space. And I think we all have those three things. And yes, Simple Contacts has all the brands and types of lenses you're familiar with, so you never have to shop around to find your lenses at the best price. If you have an unexpired prescription, that's no problem either. Just upload a photo or your doctor's information and order your lenses. Now, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam because they don't examine eye health or write a completely new prescription. This is for streamlining the hassle around renewing your prescription and reordering your brands. And you can trust them. Simple Contacts has been rated five stars over 3,000 times on the App Store. Go look at the app. You're going to see the reviews and you're going to trust them. It is rock solid on there. You can text with the support team and always get to speak with a person, not a robot. So you'll be in good hands. To save $30 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash millennial or enter the code millennial at checkout. 
Again, check out Simple Contacts and get $30 off by going to simplecontacts.com slash millennial or just enter code millennial at checkout. Before we wrap up the show, I have a recommendation, kind of a tech product, also a health product. I So I keep mentioning this. I've been on the road a lot the past few weeks and I have continued to work out, but my diet has been miserable. And I've definitely put on some LBs, and I'm not happy with myself. (laughs) My clothes are getting tighter, and (laughs) I have this horrible issue right now where when I bend over, always, always, my butt crack comes hanging out. And then my boyfriend sticks his finger down it, and it's horrible and embarrassing. Sexy. Very. I recommend buying... Not just a scale, but one of these smart scales. Um, I haven't been using a scale in a while. It's been close to 10 years when I did my big weight loss thing. Um, And then after that, I just stopped using a scale. But now, in 2018, there's some really high-tech scales out there. And I bought this one by Renfo. It just had really good reviews and a good price on Amazon. And your weight and all this other information automatically syncs to your iPhone and keeps it all within the health app. And I love this because I'm going to be able to keep track of my weight right on my phone and see the, um, you know, see the chart over time, see my progress over time. And it actually has inspired me to really take uh, getting in shape again seriously so if you're looking to get some information, uh, inspiration yourself, I do recommend getting one of these smart scales because I, f- I feel it in my brain now. I'm like set in my way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose a little weight and fit into my clothes again <laughs> because I haven't really been feeling like I'm going to do this. And now I feel like, okay, I'm holding myself responsible. I'm going to track my progress. This is it. Yeah, that's maybe I need to get that. It just motivates you, you know, when you can see your progress. And it's cool that I'll have all this data for the rest of my life stored yeah, in my phone. That's what I need is motivation. <laughs> Actually, related to recommendations, really quickly, I wanted to recommend that everyone go see that movie, A Quiet Place, if you haven't already. It's mm. incredible. It's really, really fucking good. Um, I'm I am someone who loves scary movies and so rare <clears throat> excuse me so rarely do you get a good one like 90% of horror movies are just objectively terrible and hokey and cheesy this was not this felt this felt fresh and like original and the acting was superb and it was scary in all the right ways you know like it really had me on the edge of my seat so I can't say enough good things about it. And plus, you know, fucking John Krasinski. He's smoking. And oh, so is yeah. Emily Blunt. So You know they're married? I do know that. I didn't know yes. that until this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just saw perfect. this the other day, too. It was pretty good. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really good. Awesome. And, and props to them because part of the, part of the sticking point in the, in the plot revolves around sound. I'll just say that. And um, they needed an actor or an actress who was deaf or who had to play someone who was deaf. And they actually hired an actress who in real life is deaf. I thought that was great. I thought that was really important. So 
yeah, something that you want to support. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, we would love your support over at patreon.com slash millennial. It's what keeps this show ticking. We have lots of great benefits. This week's Hashing It Out is actually pretty good. It's kind of an episode in and of itself. We're talking about beer. We're talking about credit cards. We're talking about eye strain. I just love the freewheeling conversations we have there. Uh, and you'll get that in this week's Hashing It Out. Laura, what are we doing in After Dark today? We are going to be talking about adult things that no one ever prepared you for. Uh-oh. Oh, yep. boy. <laughs> we this have a list. a long one. <laughs> Laura and I are also recording some new Landies this week, so stay tuned for those very soon. And another great benefit over at Patreon is ad-free episodes of this very show, and you will be able to download and listen to Millennial ad-free, along with hashing it out and after dark, um, through your favorite podcasting app. There's a simple way to hook up your Patreon account to your podcasting app. So that's all at patreon.com slash millennial, and we appreciate your support. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. Bye. Bye. Outro song. I can edit it in later. (laughs) Elisa just typed in a slew of question marks. (laughs) Panic, panic, panic. (laughs) Nothing, nothing, nothing. That's exactly what was happening. I did did look through the show like, God, how do I make a connection here? It's all right. We're going to have to, Laura and I are going to have to start getting in that zone anyway. Yeah, yeah, we are. This falls on us this week. I really have to pee though. So while you guys figure it out, I'm going to go do that. All right, Mark, come on in.